God is good, amen? Let's try that again. God is good all the time. God is good. I want to invite you uh, to stand with me for just a moment. And uh, you might be saying, why is he doing this? They're supposed to sit down and fall asleep while he preaches. But um, one of the really cool things about Operation Christmas Child, and this is one of those seasons where this is a huge ministry for our church, and not just for us, we do it for others, amen? Uh, it's not about us, it's not about how many boxes we pack, it's about getting the gospel to the lost world. Uh, one of the things that was mentioned was a post-it note in that video, and one of the ideas that we've had this year is we, we're going to pack 900 boxes from our church. Uh, if you can't pack a box, you can't come to the packing party, but you want to help, we'll be taking an offering here in a couple weeks to help cover the cost of the shipping. So if you have a concern about shipping, come and pack a box and the church is going to help. We're going to work together in this. Amen. One of the things we're going to do is we're going to put a picture of where these boxes are coming from in each box. And so that's why you're standing. Amen. (laughs) We've done this before. And this way, wave, wave at me. Yeah, wave at me. Hello, hello. We love you. We love you. We love you. You guys should be more excited than that. Amen. (laughs) All right, you may be seated. Thank you for your help with that. And I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of John this morning. You may be saying, Pastor, it's 10 to 11. I said, well, God has given me a message to preach today that as we've gone through this service, this is what the Lord wants to say to us. I am for sure of that this morning. So I I hope you are prepared to, to open your heart and your minds and your ears to hear from the Lord this morning. Uh, He has a word for us this morning. Uh, We're going to begin a new series today uh, called Simply I Am. I Am. And it's, as you can imagine, we're going to talk about the the I Am statements of Jesus. I believe Jesus wants to get to know us. He knows us, but he wants us to get to know him. And he says, I am. And so we're going to look at some of these uh, over the next few weeks. Pastor Greg and I will be preaching together through this series. And so we're looking forward to that. Today we're in the book of John chapter 11, and we're going to be all over this chapter and this story as, as Jesus and the disciples and his friends are going through life together. John eleven twenty five 25 says this, it says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. As we look at this story a little bit closer today, I want you to keep this thought in your mind today. If you're taking notes, jot this down in your outline. Here's the thought. Here's a sermon in a sentence. Please don't leave after this sentence, but here it is right here. If my God can defeat death, my God can do anything. If my God can defeat death, my God can do anything. The story begins in John chapter 11, verse 1, and we read these words. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Have you ever been sick? He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Jump over to verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Their brother is sick. He's a friend of Jesus. They send word to Jesus. Now, I want you to know something before we go too far into this. This was before cell phones, folks. Somebody say amen. This was before... um, even phones. <laughs> this was before even any kind of uh, um, 
man, I just drew a blank on that company that would, the horses, Paul Revere and all that stuff. Pony Express, thank you, yes. This was before telegrams, this was before anything. And Mary and Martha figured out a way, I don't know if it was a pigeon or what, but they figured out a way to get message to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. Lazarus is sick. They sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been called in for the bad news? Have you ever been the one that has to give the bad news? Maybe the one you love is sick today. Maybe the job that you've loved is going away. Maybe the marriage of your dreams is dwindling away. All of these scenarios, I'm not just making stuff up. This week alone, I have heard every single one of those scenarios play out in somebody's life. The bad news is there. The bad news is there. I go back to a, a time in our, in our ministry in Iberia, Missouri, uh, where we were the pastors there and uh, got, to, got to get to know a the people there and care for them and love them and you get to sit in living rooms when bad news is received or when bad news has come and you get to be there with them. And I got a call from a couple in our church by the name of Ken and Shirley. Ken and Shirley were faithful attenders of our church. They, they loved the Lord and they would bring their grandkids to church and even when there wasn't children's church, they would sit their grandkids next to them and they would as any good grandma and grandpa would do, they'd be flicking them if they weren't paying attention, you know. Ken and Shirley loved the Lord. Shirley had a brother named Bud. Bud was uh, not a Christian. But Bud would come to their house almost every morning for coffee. You see, in their kitchen, if you went into their kitchen, they would sit you down at their little uh, kitchen nook. They had a different dining room, but they had a little table there that was in the kitchen area that they'd have morning coffee with Bud every morning. And Bud's mug was on the counter. Now, Bud had one rule, you do not wash my mug. You see, Bud's mug on the outside was white. On the inside, it was not so white. But Bud was there every single day. And as Ken and Shirley would talk to Bud, they would love on Bud. Bud was somebody that was really close to them. One day, out of, really out of nowhere, Bud got sick. He didn't show up for coffee. Shirley called him and he didn't answer his phone. They went over to find Bud and they get Bud and Bud is on the floor, passed out. They call the ambulance, they get him to the hospital and Bud is unresponsive. Shirley called her pastor and said, we have some bad news. Bud is sick, and he's not a follower of Jesus. Will you pray with us? So we began to pray for Bud. Bud was in the hospital. He was unresponsive. They were calling the family in, but we got the bad news. The one you love is sick. Makes you think, what do you feel when the bad news comes? What do you feel when maybe loneliness sets in? What do you feel when the hardships seem to get harder? What do you feel, what do you do when you're dead on the inside? 
when you're dead on the inside. Our story from the scriptures continues in verse 4. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Somebody say amen. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So in verses 5 through 14, we see the story unfold. And Jesus gets word, he gets the bad news that his friend is sick. His disciples say, you know what, what are you going to do, Jesus? They waited two days. Jesus waits two days. And instead of heading out, he just hung out. He just waited. And then he tells his disciples, after two days of waiting, let's go back to Judea. And they say, Jesus, you can't go back to Judea because that's where they want to kill you. They said, if you come back here, they will stone you. They will arrest you and they will kill you. He says, I know, but let's go back to Judea. Lazarus, my friend, has fallen asleep and I'm going there to wake him up. When Jesus begins to act on something, there are various feelings and emotions that people just can't seem to explain. When hardships and loss and even death comes, we find that those dead-end moments are where Jesus' actions change us. Sometimes we don't know how to, how to act and how to respond when Jesus changes us. And we do things like we come to church and we put a smile on, on our face. And maybe you're here today and you've heard it said four or five times, God is good. And we put a smile, God is good. But in the inside, we're dead. We don't feel it. We don't know how to receive it. And we think, you know what? I'm going to smile and put on my face because God is good. But on the inside, we're dealing with these things that are, that are dead ends. We feel dead inside. We feel like there's no hope. I'm here to remind us this morning, when we're dead on the inside, Jesus' resurrection changes us. I want us to unpack these dead ends this morning from our story. Three different characters in this story that I want us to look at when it comes to Jesus' resurrection changing us. The first dead end is this. Maybe we're dead in our doubts. Dead in our doubts. And we see the character of Thomas. We see the disciple of Thomas. He gets the nickname Doubting Thomas. But really, Thomas was, he just asked a lot of questions, he didn't really know, you know, Peter gets the reputation of kind of talking before he thinks. I think Thomas was kind of in the same boat. He would kind of open his mouth and say some things that just were like, made you question. What are you really thinking here, Thomas? In verse 16, we read this. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, says to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Sometimes I wonder if Thomas was a little sarcastic. Well, Lazarus is dead. He's asleep. We don't understand what Jesus is saying. This, isn't, this sickness isn't going to end in death, but we hear that he's sick. We've waited two days. What are we really doing? Maybe we should go and die with him. And we're doubtful. Why'd we wait? What are we doing here, Jesus? You have the answer, and we're sitting here doing nothing. Have you ever had spiritual doubts? Maybe you've prayed for something so long that you, and you just didn't get the answer that you were hoping for. You begin to doubt whether God was real. 
Maybe you've believed, maybe you've grown up in church and, and maybe you've, you've believed and then you've gotten out in the world and you've seen how the world works and you've seen how Christians work and you're like, man, maybe this faith is not really my own. Maybe it's something I've just been raised with. And you begin to doubt. You ever wonder why someone can live for God so long and still experience the pain and the hurts and the bad things? Have you ever had spiritual doubts? I'd venture to say if you've walked with the Lord long enough in any length of time, you're going to be doubtful at some point. You're going to begin to ask questions. You're going to begin to wonder, what is Jesus really doing? And this dead end of doubt can creep in to our life. When the dead end of doubt hits us and we're faced with that moment, I just don't understand Where do I go from here? I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone if you have spiritual doubts. Thomas wasn't alone. He's one of Jesus' 12 disciples, and he was in a dead end of doubt. But maybe you're in a different dead end. Maybe you're like Mary. Mary was in the dead, and she was in the dead end of discouragement. Verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Have you ever been discouraged in your life? I won't ask you to raise your hand. I know if you've been around this world long enough, you've lived long enough and so many days, there's probably become a moment in your life where you've been a little discouraged. Jesus is coming to see the family. It's a friend. It's a family friend. And Mary is so discouraged that she won't even leave her home to go see her friend. Maybe you're in a place where your discouragement keeps you in a place of depression, discouragement, loneliness. Will I ever feel good again? Will I ever come out of this dead end? And maybe you wonder, you're going through things in life and you're you're seeing the despair and you're so discouraged that you just wonder, am I ever going to come out of this dead end? Have you ever been discouraged in your life? Where do I go from here? I want you to know if you've ever been discouraged, you're not alone. Mary, one of Jesus' closest friends on this earth, was in the dead end of discouragement. Or maybe you're like Martha today. Maybe you're dead in the delay. Dead in the delay. Verse 17 says, on his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. We jump ahead to verse 21 and we see Martha's dead end. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Let me give you some spiritual explanation over this passage. Why do we read that there was four days in the tomb? I've, I've always wondered this. Why are numbers so important in the Bible? And I think, why is it so important that this story in particular tells us how many days Lazarus was in the tomb? Here's what I found out this week as I was studying this. Four days matters 
Because in this culture, it was not scriptural, it was not, it was not actual truth, but it was folklore. Anybody believe folklore today? Don't raise your hand, I don't want to know. But if you believe some of these tall tales or these stories, one of these things that was going around in that setting, in that era, was that the folklore was that the spirit inside of us, when we died and we were separate from our body, the spirit hung around the body. Now, I know that sounds kind of weird, but they believed that the spirit didn't, didn't go to the next life yet, that it hung around to see if the body would come back. And so for three days, they believed that the spirit would be around the body. Now, that's not in scripture, but that's what they believed. So by telling us that on the fourth day that he was in the tomb, this means he was dead. It was over. This isn't some fake dead. This isn't some fake news. He is gone. And, and the Bible tells us in the King James Version, if you have the King James, you can verify this. It said that he stinketh. Stinketh. Now that's a biblical word. Stinketh. Four days. And Martha's saying, Jesus, you are too late. Why did you delay? Have you ever felt that God has delayed in your life? Why can't I find that perfect someone? Why can't we have children? There's so many people that are having children and so many children that are out there. Why can't we have kids? Why do I pray and pray and pray for healing and I just can't get it? Jesus, why do you delay in fixing all of the evil that is around us? You see, we're going to face dead ends in life, folks. We're going to come to a place where we're doubtful, where we're discouraged, or where we're curious and questioning the delays. But I want you to know this this morning. God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. In my Bible, we see the dead ends happen, on, and, and your Bible's not the same, and I checked other Bibles. Believe me, I spent way too much time checking this out, but in my Bible, it's kind of cool. On page 952 in my Bible, we read all of these dead ends, and then I turn the page to page 953. I kid you not, 953, and John eleven twenty two says this. But I know that even now, say it with me, even now, say it again, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Back to the story of Bud Phillips for a moment. He was laying in the hospital bed for two days, unresponsive. The family was there. His children were called in. He was on life support. He was on a breathing machine, a ventilator. He was a big man, and I was in the hospital room with the family, and he's, the machine is making him breathe. Body is going up and down. Ken and Shirley, his son Clayton, were there. He'd been on this machine for two days. He was not showing any improvement. He had been responsive a few days before they put him on the machine. He could blink. He could acknowledge them. He could understand what they were saying to him but now he's been on this ventilator for two days and the doctor said you know what he's just not getting better the family decided it was time to pull the tube out and let nature take over so I stepped out of the room 
let the doctors and nurses come in and give the family some privacy. And as I'm standing in the hallway, Clayton, his son, who was not a believer either, came running into the hall. He said, the tube is out and he's responsive. He's, he's, he's blinking his eyes. He's trying to talk to us. You have to come ask him. I'm like, Clayton, what are you talking about? He said, you have to come ask him. Come ask him. And that's all he kept saying. Come ask him. So I go into Bud's bedside and the tubes are out and Bud's eyes are wide open. He's looking around. He knows who's there. And I said, Bud, my name's BJ and I'm Ken and Shirley's pastor. He couldn't talk. He, his voice couldn't talk, but he blinked and he acknowledged that I was there. I said, I want to talk to you. I want to ask you some questions. Is that okay? And he blinked and he, he, he moved his head. I said, do you know that Jesus loves you, bud? And he blinked and he nodded. I said, do you know that Jesus can forgive your sins, bud? He blinked and he nodded. I said, bud, do you have a relationship with Jesus? No blinking. No movement. I said, would you like Jesus to forgive you of your sins and come into your life today? And he starts blinking and moving his head as fast as he possibly could. I said, would you like to see Jesus today, bud? And he blinked and he nodded and tears started to come down his face. And I prayed with bud that day to receive Jesus Christ. And shortly after we prayed together, I said, amen. He squeezed my hand and he stopped breathing and entered into his eternal life. Even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Even now, when you're feeling lonely and discouraged, God can be your comforter. Even now, when you're feeling confused and frustrated, God can be your peace. Even now when things don't add up in your life and you're wondering why your math doesn't match God's math, he can be your provider. Even now when your marriage is on the fritz and it's hanging on by the balance, even now God can restore relationships. Even now when you're cold and you're calloused and you don't feel like you can hear Jesus, even now he can change your life. Verses 23 and 20 to 26 say this. Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this? You see, we all can experience resurrection power. The resurrection I want to introduce you to is not an event. The resurrection is a person. Jesus didn't say, I'm able to resurrect your brother. He didn't say, I'm able to resurrect your life. I'm able to resurrect your marriage. I'm able to resurrect your loneliness. He didn't say, I'm able to do something. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection is not what he does. 
It is who he is. Jesus told them, take away the stone. You see, they put Lazarus in the tomb and they rolled a stone over the tomb. Does it sound familiar? They rolled the stone over the tomb and Jesus tells them, roll the stone away. They're all standing around the tomb and we read this in verses 43 and 44. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. Hold on a minute. Why do you think Jesus had to yell at him? Do you think if you're dead for a few days, it's going to take some loud noise to get your attention? So Jesus is standing outside of there with the crowd, and he doesn't say, you know what, buddy, why don't you come out here? We're having a good time. Why don't you come join us? He says, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out of the tomb. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take the grave clothes off of him and let him go. In, in Lazarus' story, Jesus tells the disciples, take away the stone. Take the clothes off of him. Let him go. Free him. When Jesus is in the tomb, the women go and wonder, how are we going to get this stone out of the way? How are we going to remove the stone so we can go in and treat Jesus? But the stone was rolled away. When we're facing our dead ends in our life, dead ends of doubt and discouragement and the delays, when we're behind the stones of the tomb in our own life and we can't move the stone ourselves, I don't care how strong we are, when we're in those dead ends, sometimes we can't move the stone. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm strong enough to move the stone of your tomb away. When you're dead on the inside, when you're trapped in the tomb, Jesus can move the stone away. Amen. The same voice that called out to Lazarus from the grave is the same voice that's calling us right now. Come out, dead man. Come out, dead woman. Get out from the dead end. Come out. Get the grave clothes off. I'm here to set you free because I am the resurrection and the life. Come out of the dead end of doubt. Trust me, he says. Come out of the dead end of discouragement. I know I didn't go to see you, but I believe you can. Come out of the dead end of delay. God is never late. Amen? God is never late. He is always on time. Take off the grave clothes and let them go. If my God can defeat death, my God can do anything. Amen? Death has no power anymore because of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Page 92 is full of dead ends. 952 is full of dead ends. But on page 953, there is new life and everything changes. Amen? 
It doesn't mean on page 953 that everyone is going to get healed just like we want. 953 isn't the page of miracles that just says, just because I believe everything's going to be good. It doesn't say that. 953 doesn't say everything's going to be roses. But it does mean on page 953, God will be glorified. Because God is good all the time. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And my final question to us today is this. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Will you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? And I just want to take a moment in this, in this quietness of this space. To talk to God for a minute. God, you have, you have this time. There's no music. There's, there's nothing else going on. This is just you and me today. Would you just pray that prayer in your head and your heart? today right now just God I give you this moment right now it's just you and me God I don't know where everybody's at today I don't know what they're facing what they faced this last week I don't know what they have looking ahead of them but I know God in a crowd like this there's some people that are feeling like they're in a dead end they're feeling like they're in a dead end maybe it's doubt maybe it's discouragement maybe it's delays maybe it's loneliness Maybe it's hopelessness. Maybe it's the uncertainty, the unknown. But they're here today. Today was a divine appointment. And you're speaking to us through your word today. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will live even if you die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? in this quietness of this moment, if you're facing a dead end and you just need Jesus to be your resurrection in life today, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. If you're in a dead end and you just need prayer today, would you just raise your hand? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You see that hand. Anybody else? God is faithful. God, you see the hands that have gone up today. Whatever the dead end is today, God, would you remind us that you are the resurrection and the life, that you are the one that we can put our hope in, that if our God can defeat death and raise a dead body to new life, you can do anything. So no matter what we're facing today, no matter what that hand represents today, God, Will you resurrect it to new life? Will you remove the stone of the dead end and free us to walk in total faith, believing that you are the resurrection and the life? We love you today, God, and we give you praise and thanks for who you are. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this.
Amen and amen. Before you go, would you just give God a praise offering for how good he is? Amen. As you go today, go in the power of his love and represent him in all you say and do. God bless you today.